Well, good evening. It is a joy to get to the end of First John uh, tonight. It's a kind of bittersweet as uh, this book is so rich and powerful in the apostles' desire that these believers would grow in their understanding and their assurance and their knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me remind, let me remind you as believers, 1 John is in our Bibles. We can read it often. We can memorize it. Beloved, hide it in your hearts that you may know and understand and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and that your faith would be strengthened and that your heart would swell with joy and comfort in the Lord Jesus Christ. Even as we heard this morning, there are many idols in our land. There are uh, many competing ideologies uh, in our world. And um, in the Apostle Paul, he says this, If in Christ we have hope, in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. So as as you think about what we believe, as you think about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, if you think about Christianity, our faith, how important is it that we not only trust God and trust what He has said, but that we lean into His Word Believe His Word and trust His Word on what He has declared about who we are, about who He is, and what He has promised to do. If you would take your Bibles and open them to the book of 1 John chapter 5, we'll be concluding our study tonight, 1 John chapter 5. Look with me if you would at verse 13. I'm going to read 13 to the end. Of the chapter. Hear now the reading of God's holy word. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, We know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins, to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin. But there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But we who, I'm sorry, but he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. 
Beloved, let us pray once again. Heavenly Father, Lord God, as we approach your word tonight, Father, I pray that you would give us a blessing from the proclamation of your word. Father, I pray that the Spirit would open our eyes to see wonderful things, wonderful truths from your word. Lord, indeed, that we would hide them in our hearts. Lord, that we may be encouraged and assured through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Well, I was confronted today at the end of service. Uh, one of a friends came up to me and he says, do you know a good real estate agent? Uh, do you know anybody that is a good insurance agent? And do you know a good dentist? I was like, I just moved here. I don't know that I, I have all these good people that you are looking for. But when you think about who would you be looking for as your dentist, maybe as your doctor, maybe as one that you trust with your finances, one that you would trust with your heart surgery, maybe brain surgery, maybe you need a lobotomy, uh, maybe the best financial advisor that you can get. Who do you trust? When we come to the scriptures today and you think of who do you trust with your eternal destiny? Who do you trust with your soul? For there are a lot of competitors in the world. We are going to hear tonight from the Apostle John, the one who is the Apostle. I want you to think of authority. The one who is the ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has the authority, he is going to end this little letter to these beloved Christians and encourage them and give them great confidence and great assurance. And tonight we're going to see five different Christian certainties that will give you confidence and give you assurance knowing where you are going Knowing that the Lord answers our prayers, that He not only hears our prayers, but He answers our prayers. Knowing that you are from God and that the Lord Jesus Christ protects you from the evil one. Knowing that all of this is rooted and grounded in our Lord Jesus Christ. So as, as we come to the conclusion of this letter, let us dive in at verse 13. He says this, he tells the purpose statement of really the entire letter. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So that, it's a purpose, so that you may know that you have ever, everlasting life. That you have eternal life. So the first certainty that we see tonight that gives us confidence and assurance of the hope that we have is indeed eternal life. He says, you can know that you have eternal life. And some may say, oh, well, you can't really know that you have eternal life. That's being presumptive. No one can really know that you have eternal life. Beloved, as we've walked through this book, eternal life is something that is not only 
uh, or present reality in everyone who is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is tied to the Lord Jesus Christ, who he talks about in the beginning as the eternal life. He personifies that and calls Christ in verse uh, chapter one, verse one, or two. He says that we proclaim to you the eternal life. He says, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. He personifies uh, the idea of eternal life is that is who Christ is. And so when we think about eternal life, it's not like life unendingly. As far as quantitatively, but it's qualitatively. The idea is this richness with God. You will be with God. If you're believing in Christ, you are with God now. God is with you. You will enjoy God and are enjoying God. And we have fellowship with God, the God that created the heavens and the earth. We have fellowship with Him now. And he says in the beginning of this letter, let's just read it again. He says at the end of verse 4, he says, And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. He wants these believers that have been attacked by deceivers and false teachers and these false errors and these spiritual uh, errors that are coming at them, trying to deceive them, trying to give them a counterfeit faith, trying to lead them away from the truth. The Apostle John is saying, I want you to be grounded in the God of this world who has revealed Himself in the person of the Son, whom we have touched, whom we have eaten with, whom we have heard, and we have seen, and we testify. He is the eternal life. And He says, I'm writing to you, I want you to be confident that if you're believing in Jesus Christ, if you're believing in the name of the Son of God, That idea, the name of the Son of God. It's all that includes Christ. All that includes Him. Not only the eternal Son who is condescended and taken on flesh. The fullness of humanity. We know that one. We are testifying to you. If you're believing in that one, the one that He says, He is the righteous. He is our propitiation. For our sins. He is our advocate. If you're trusting in that one. If you're believing in that one. Know that you have passed out of death. And into life. Through faith in him. First John chapter 3 verse 14. He says. We know. That we have passed. Out of death. And into life present reality he says because we love the brothers and he's given all these evidences that knowing being assured that you have eternal life is not presumptive john has written this entire letter for the fact that you can know that you have passed out of death and into life not that we are sinlessly perfect as he's going to get to in a minute 
but the fact that we possess eternal life now. This is not our own doing. This is what Christ has accomplished for us. And it's a present reality for us. This is to create uh, joy in our hearts. This is to create uh, delight in who God is. This is to propel us unto greater obedience unto the Lord. It is to fill us uh, with love. It is to fill us with kindness. It is to remind us that we're not enslaved to sin, but we're part of the family of God. We actually can obey the Lord. God is with us now. He's given us the Spirit, He says. He has given us the gift of the Spirit, He says, uh, who abides in us now. This is how we can know you've passed out of death and into life. This is life everlasting. Does this give you great confidence in God? God has testified. He has revealed it. He has made it known. If you forget, read His Word. Go back. Read it again. Believe this. Believe God's Word. Believe it. Have certainty about it. For God has testified in His Son. Secondly, we see that the Christian, uh, the second Christian certainty that gives us confidence and assurance, secondly, is answered prayer. So we've seen, firstly, the first Christian certainty is eternal life, declared here in verse 13. Secondly, we're going to see in verses uh, 14 through 17, is that God answers prayer. Do you believe that? Do you... I heard uh, Ricky uh, earlier, he was telling me about how God had been answering his prayer, prayers that Pastor Nathan and I had been praying for him this week and the past week. He said, God answered our prayers. I was like, what a delight. I like hearing that. Every time we gather together and we're like, let's talk about praises. Let's talk about how God has answered our prayers that we pray and bring before Him. Beloved, look with me at verse 14 of 1 John chapter 5. Listen to the language. He says, And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And this hearing us is not like God is aware of the data. For look at verse 15. He says, If we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. Does that make you swallow hard and go, Do you believe this? This is one of the biggest blank checks in the Bible, right? God is going to hear your prayers. God is going to answer your requests that you have asked of Him. 
Beloved, do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that He is a Father of lights from whom there is no shifting shadow? And that every good thing given is, is it comes down from Him? Do we approach Him that way in prayer? Do, this verse is meant to remind us, as, as the Apostle John in his letter is like little children, little children, I want you to know these things. Very pastorally, he, we, he says in this text, we know. Not only does he know, we know. Reminder of chapter 2, we have the Advocate. The Son of God who laid down His life for us. Who forgives us of all of our sins. God loves you. If you are in Jesus Christ, God loves you like He loves His Son. And us as God's children who are adopted by Him, He wants us to cry out to Him. He wants us to bring our request to Him. And He wants us to do it in the vein of even chapter 3. In that whatever we ask, we receive from Him, He says in 1 John 3.22, because we keep His commandments and we do what pleases Him. As children of God, we want to do what pleases the Father. So we're going to pray accordingly. And even in this verse here, in verse 14, it says if we ask anything, there is a qualifier, right? If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Beloved, God wants our good. God is for His children. It doesn't mean that He is going to keep us from every affliction. It doesn't mean that Our lives will be without trial. But we know that God works in our lives for our good. In the good and in the bad for those who love Him. Those that He has called to Himself. He hears us. He doesn't hear us because we have a a tall pointed hat. He doesn't hear us because we have some kind of robes on. He doesn't hear us because we've lit a candle. He doesn't hear us because we've worked ourselves up into a frenzy of feeling in a certain way. No, beloved, He hears us because of our great High Priest. He hears us because we are in Christ. We are in the Beloved. And He hears hears us. He hears us as His child. Isn't that wonderful? He says in 1 John chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 1, he says, See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God? And so we are. Let us approach the throne of grace as the children of God. And let us be confident God answers our prayers. This should be a great encouragement, a great assurance to us. Uh, we come to this part in John where John says some hard things. But in the flow of this passage and in the flow of this whole letter, this passage in particular, let us look at this answer 
to prayer. Look with me, if you would, at verse 16. He says, if anyone, if you're a believer in Christ, I'm just going to pause there and say, this is for you. If you're in Jesus Christ, this is for you. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death. This, this, is, this is a challenging section here as we, look, as we look at this. He talks about a person committing a sin not leading to death. And the way I want us to see this when we think of 1 John, he has been contrasting life and death, light and darkness through the whole letter. And so what I don't think he's meeting is a sin that leads to physical death. Okay? I think he's talking about a sin that would lead to spiritual death. But I I say that, let's read it again in verse 16. Let's read it with the idea of physical death, maybe just to get the flavor of it. He says, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to physical death, He shall ask God, and God will give him life. As we think of that, you go, I don't think that makes sense. He already has life. If if he is a brother, he has spiritual life too, so how how should we understand this? I think the idea is uh, that he's going to get to later. He's talking about a true brother. He is talking about um, one who is sinning. Because as brothers and sisters in Christ, we still sin. And he had mentioned in 1 John chapter 2, or chapter 1, he says, uh, if we say we have no sin, that we deceive ourselves. And that we do sin. And he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then in chapter 2, he says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. The Lord doesn't want us to sin. But he says, But if anyone does sin, <clears throat> we have an advocate. And so he's, he's not talking about sinless perfectionism here. He's talking about a brother that's sinning. And I think in the context, uh, because he doesn't really define uh, for us what it means, the sin not leading to death and the sin that leads to death. Some would say, oh, he's talking about sinning, uh, the unpardonable sin, like sinning against the Holy Spirit. But I think that was in a different context from what John is talking about here. The context of 1 John is you have these people in 1 John chapter 2, 19, where he says, they went out from us. 
But they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. I think, I think that the contrast that he has here is between believers in the church and those that have left the church, they have rejected Christ, they have walked away from the faith, They are actually uh, teaching false doctrine, false teaching, talking about walking in darkness, saying that they have no sin, denying that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, rejecting Christ as our only Savior, our only propitiation. I think that's a contrast that he's making here in this passage. But let's, let's not get bogged down in that because... I think what he's trying to say is have confidence in your prayer. Let's look again at verse 16. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask. That is, you. If you see your brother in sin, pray to God. And God will give that person life. God works through our prayers. God, God is restoring us. God is refining us. Let us be in prayer for one another knowing that God is going to answer those prayers because He who has begun a good work in you will bring it unto completion unto the day of Christ Jesus. He is not done with any of us. He is continuing to refine us and to shape us into the image, the majesty, and the glory of Jesus Christ. Beloved, let us pray unto the Lord for one another. I think that's the thrust that John is getting at here. And he goes on to say, he says, um, he says, there is sin that leads to death. And the hardest part comes after he says, I do not say that one should pray for that. So the idea is that we don't pray for sins, we pray for people. Uh, But I think we pray for those outside the church differently than we pray for those inside the church because those that are within the church, uh, the Lord has promised Uh, to work in their hearts, those that are believing in Christ, those that are His children, in a different way uh, than maybe those that have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And at the same time, we wrestle with these things, right? You think the Apostle Peter, he denied Christ three times. And Jesus said, but I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you that, that your faith would not fail. And... Peter wasn't uh, a sinlessly perfect man either, even as an apostle. As we remember from Galatians chapter 2, uh, he was committing sin uh, in, in the church, and Paul had to call him out of that as well. Uh, and so, brothers, when we see one another in sin, uh, let us pray for one another. Let us be encouraged that God answers our prayer. When you think of the biggest thing you could pray for, what would you ask? 
If you know God's going to answer any request you have, He will answer it. Whoa, what would you say? It's the biggest thing you want to happen in your life. I already have the Holy Spirit of God living in me. I've been forgiven of all my sins because of Jesus Christ. He is born. He is propitiated for my sins. He has drunk the wrath of God for me. I don't have to, in one sense, pray for that. I can rejoice in that. I possess eternal life already. I don't have to beg for it. It's secure for me. It's mine. Not because I'm so great. But because Jesus says, I'm adopted. I'm not going to be kicked out. It's amazing. Oh, I need further sanctification. (laughs) You can pray for me. And I will pray for you. We want to glorify God now. We need strength in that. We need our faith increased. Oh, Lord, help me have a greater faith to pray, knowing that you will answer our prayers. I need a deeper faith to walk in this world with all its counterfeit idols and all the garbage that blinky lights that are twinkling at us saying, ooh, look over here, look over here. Look how important this is. If you had this, ah, then you will have arrived. Not to believe those lies. This is an aspect of intercession, praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's an important part of prayer, uh, along with praise and other things. Intercede for one another. Intercede for one another. The third Christian certainty that gives great confidence and assurance. Uh, Look with me, if you would, at verse 18. He says, we know, love that, there is again, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. The third reality we see here, I I want you to note, is we are kept by Christ. That we are kept by Christ. The idea is he who was born of God protects him. That is um, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ there. He is the one who protects us. He, uh, I like this word keep or guard. It's the word used in uh, 2 Peter. Where it says God knows how to keep the angels who sinned in gloomy chains of darkness. Keeping them unto the judgment. Here... It's talking about being kept in a benevolent way. It's not like a prison as much as it is a refuge. It is a fortress that the evil one cannot touch you. And it's not that he um, cannot afflict you or uh, cannot bring maybe physical harm or anything like that. But the idea is that he cannot steal your eternal life. He cannot take that away from you. We are kept 
by the Lord. This is an idea that, beloved, it, it should give us great encouragement. Christ keeps us. He protects us. Fourthly, fourth Christian certainty that gives us confidence and assurance uh, is that, number four, is that we belong to God. It comes from verse 19. He says this again. At the, again, this is the end of the letter. He says, we know that we are from God. Think of that. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Beloved, we are part of God's divine family. We belong to Him. Not because we are great, but because God first loved us. He opened our eyes to see the glory of Christ. What does He say? Greater is He who is in you, Holy Spirit, than He who is in the world. We belong to uh, the family of God, and we don't belong to the things of the world. But understand, too, that there's a duality here. Those that are of the world, it says the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. They are not neutral uh, toward God, but they are under the domain of Satan. And yet he has pulled us out of that to see the light shining in the darkness. He has revealed the glory of Christ to us. The supernatural work of God. How do you know you are of God? How do you know you're from God? The scriptures here, 1 John, it says, well, we know because we love the brothers. We know because we pray for the brothers. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We believe the testimony that the Spirit has given concerning the Son. The Son has come in the flesh. We know the truth. We walk in the light. We wait for Christ's coming. We obey Christ's commandments. We do not walk in darkness. We do not practice lawlessness. But we practice righteousness. And so it's clear that we are from God. um, Not because we're so good, but because we've seen the testimony of the work of God in our hearts, in our minds. Well, fifthly, the fifth Christian certainty that gives us confidence and great assurance Number five, I want you to write in our union with Jesus Christ. What gives you great confidence? What gives you great assurance? The very foundation of it all is our union with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our assurance. He is our confidence. He has lived for us. He has died for us. And He has been risen from the dead that we may have life. What love is this? We consider this, Jesus Christ, the foundation of everything. I would go through it all again, but He is our eternal life. He is our propitiation. He is our righteousness. Our forgiveness of sins comes through Him. The love of God comes through Him. Receiving the Holy Spirit comes through Jesus Christ. Our great assurance, I love how it's been worded, is seated at the right hand of the Father now. The resurrected Lord. He is our great assurance. That is how all of these make sense. He is our high priest. That's why the Lord hears us. 
That's why we can be confident. He, I love Hebrews, what? He always lives to pray and intercede for us. We have the perfect high priest. He always, always lives to intercede for us. How great is that? Look what John says in verse 20. We know that the Son of God, He has come. We know that. We know He has given us understanding. He's revealed Himself to us. So that we may know Him who is true. We may rightly know God in a saving way. And then and He says, and we are in Him who is true. Our union with Christ. He says, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. It's like John wants these dear Christians who've been buffeted back and forth by deceivers and false prophets. He wants them to rest assured by faith in the promises of God and Jesus Christ. He is our foundation. And almost like as an aside, as a pastor says, P.S., P.S., right? P.S.S. One more thing. It says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. As John Calvin said, our hearts are like an idol factory. The moment that you crush an idol, another one springs up. And another one. And so... As we consider the idols, even that we've heard this morning, of all the idolatry, for us to be on the lookout, watch out, keep a close pulse on one another. And if you see a brother or sister chasing an idol, pray for them. Pray for them. Let us pray together now. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we are so encouraged by Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're so encouraged, Father. We're so assured of our faith. The fact that you have given us the Holy Spirit. Lord, you have testified to what is true. And Lord, we trust you. We believe in the truth of your word. We believe in the truth of your son. We trust in Him, in His person, and in His work. Father, do a work in us. Lord, enable us, empower us to pray for one another. Help us, Father, to rest in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it's in His name that we pray. Amen.